I'm some kind of far part in, I'm, oh, wait, let me do that again. In some kind of far part of the universe, I'm trying not to be bored. Aboard this ship, this living ship of escaped prisoners, my acquaintances. Hello and welcome to Escape Chats. This is episode 35, the season 3 recap. If you haven't listened to a recap episode before, this is where we recap the previous season of the show that we just watched and highlight our favorite, least favorite, and other categorically organized episodes of the season before predicting where we're going next season. Hi, Magellan. Hey, Alan. (laughs) Uh, Are you excited? Did you like season 3? Yes. I was going to make some kind of a joke and then I realized I always make the same joke which is which is you're like do you like this thing that's good and i'm like uh i don't know <laughs> we're keeping on brand since episode one yeah. <laughs> just the same jokes uh we are creatures of comfort if anything and i also i say that a lot so hey <laughs> it's true um <laughs> it's weirdly consistent where do we want to start i first of all i will say just my opinions Season three was definitely my favorite. It was hyped up to us very much so as the really, really good season of Farscape. Maybe the best uh, without any bad episodes. Like a no skip list includes anything from season three that I've seen. Although I would argue there are some episodes that are not amazing, but they are at the very worst. They're still watchable yeah. um, and memorable, at least. Whereas a lot of the older stuff wasn't so good. And it's just weird and sad and interesting that we're more than halfway through the show now. Like, we are, you know, three-fourths of the way through the show, technically, uh, if you don't include Peacekeeper Wars. And that means that the show is kind of, like, cleaning up major arcs and getting ready to head somewhere that I think is huge and monumentous, uh, which I'm so excited for. But I'm also... It's the same thing that happens whenever you're going to finish a show. You're like, I really want to see what happens next, but I don't want to run out of episodes. Like, that'll hurt so much. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I agree. I I think the way that I'm feeling right now at the end of season three is that first of all, in season one and two, there are a lot of kind of one-off episodes that you can skip because they're not very good. But also the reason they're not very good is because they're not necessarily relevant to whatever you want to say, the plot, the character arcs as they're developing something like that, because there wasn't that sense yet of like exactly what are we trying to do with Farscape? Whereas with season three, there was a sense that, there was an overarching story that was trying to be driven at. You know, we had the John twinning, which had implications for several episodes. So there felt it felt like there was sort of a, a master plan to all that stuff. And then even I do feel that there are some episodes in this season that are you can dismiss. You can kind of toss out and say you don't need to watch these. One that jumps to my mind immediately, and I know we're going to talk about all these episodes in a moment, but one that jumps to my mind immediately is the one with the energy riders on the ship. Um, Just as an example, that's kind of a weird one-off Farscape thing, but that episode does give Chiana her spider sense thing. So there's a sense in season three of even the episodes that are kind of one-off have these lasting consequences. So an episode like Eat Me, which you might think like, this is the horror episode of Farscape, has the huge lasting ramification of John is cloned. Um, 
So that I think is what's defining season three for me with respect to the first two seasons. And then I think the other thing that's going on is the death of Talon's John Crichton was symbolic in a certain way of the death of the kind of ground level, pure characterization of Farscape in the sense that um, he died in a plot line that showed the significance of all this wormhole stuff to the stakes of the universe at large. Um, And so he got his beautiful final moment, but it was symbolic of saying, look, the show used to be about, it's John Crichton, he's an astronaut, he's in space, he's in love, he has friends, and it still is about that. But ultimately, we now have to reckon with much wider ramifications and much much bigger stakes. Um, And so I would imagine that season four is going to kind of have that in it and that we're over the course of this season from beginning to end, we're kind of moving and widening our scope as we go. Yeah. If anything, to me, season three was defined by being like, Hey, we've been having fun, but a lot of the stuff that's been going on has like serious ramifications and like consequence has been one of the biggest things in season three. And this idea that like, Hey, we are doing crazy space stuff. We're all on these fun adventures and we want to go home. But like, we need to grow up and we need to say, hey, here's the real, real legitimate like problems with the stuff that we're trying to do. Here's how our fantasies become uh, reality or don't. And here's how yeah. we redefine where we want to end our lives and where we want to spend the rest of our lives, um, which is also evident in just like the introduction of a new character. So I think a good way to start is for us to do um, our plot paragraph, our plotograph, if you will, um, where... Oh, wow. Uh, would you like to read this one, Magellan? This is a... a oh, uh, <laughs> sure. Well, you said I will, so I'm like, oh, I guess he's taking No, okay. I, I, I know. I was responding uh, to the, if you will. Yes. <laughs> oh, you... Cool. Um, yeah, so we, <laughs> we, we took the full summary of season three, and we said, ugh, too much. We watched the whole show. We talked about the whole show to death. Let's condense it and condense it and condense it, and we turned it into one tight, beautiful paragraph uh, where we summed up this whole season... And uh, take it away, Magellan. Uh-huh. Uh, and for those of you who out, out there who are fans of comma splices, here we go. The Scorpius remnant is still around. Aaron dies. Zahn dies because she brought Aaron back to life. Dargo's son, Jothi, sleeps with Gianna and then leaves full of regret. John gets cloned. Gianna develops premonition powers after being melded with an energy rider. Aaron falls in love with Talon's John. Talon John dies to protect wormhole tech. Furlow is an asshole, but we dig it. Aaron grieves. The crews rejoin in a murder mystery where the Lady Hynerian did it. And then they mount an attack on Scorpius's command carrier. Talon dies with Krace. They try to bury him. Crew gets separated. Aaron's pregnant. Whoops. Uh-oh. That's all the big stuff, folks. I really I think... hope you watch season three. Because <laughs> <before you laughs> we that. just gave you all of it. <laughs> we gave you the whole thing. I love Farscape out of context. Like, more so than a lot of other sci-fi because so little of it has a basis in reality other than the character stuff. Like, just, like, mm-hmm. the names of characters and shit, you're just like, oh, what is... You know, for example, like, in episode 33, I read in the Moy bag a comment from Angela Scrangela that said... Um, I hate the whiny blue idiot monkeys so much. Why so difficult? Die a lot, please. And like <laughs> the whiny blue idiot <laughs> monkeys is awesome. If you remember I Yanch, you Yanch. But if you don't know what that episode is, then you're just like, oh, someone's having a problem. This isn't these aren't words uh, <laughs> like Talon John and <laughs> Joffy sleeps with Jar- Dargo's son sleeps with his girlfriend and yeah. everyone dies. And the Hi- Lady Hynerian did it. None of these things are are 
real <laughs> words to anybody who hasn't seen the show. Right, right, so right. it creates this fun little like clubhouse with our listeners and the Farscape community that we get to enjoy. Yeah, so I think it's time for us to get into categorizing this season um, into our traditional recap categories, which yeah. are as follows. Uh, we start off so, with... Yeah. Oh, yeah, go ahead, John. I want you to do this. You're a professional. Great. Um, so the categories are still the same, as always. We've shifted the amount of episodes per category because uh, there was kind of a shift in the overall quality of the season. So there's going to be less episodes that we deem lowlights because we didn't think that there were as many. But this is how it breaks down and then kind of what it translates to. So there are four episodes in the season that we've marked as essential. Uh, You have to watch them. There's something about them that is entirely essential, probably to the overall story of Farscape. That's usually the greatest um, barometer, but also in terms of downright watchability, quality, all that. So they're episodes that Alan and I both love and both think are very valuable to the show. Then yes. there's highlights. Um, both of us pick three of those. And they're episodes that one of us believes is still that. It's still incredibly essential to the show, to the way that it's viewed. Uh, we love it. And then the other person is like, I don't love it as much as you do, but I recognize that it's good. I don't begrudge you that love. You're right. It is very good. I'm just not as passionate as you are. Uh, those are highlights. So a little more person personality to them but still very very good episodes so if you're trying to construct a list of like what to watch probably combine the essentials and the highlights that would make the most sense decent episodes we'll each take three of these as well decents are like we both like them we're not going to say they're the best episodes ever they're definitely worth watching if you like this show low lights we have just one of these a piece and the way that this works out is one of us does not like it, like strongly dislikes it, and then the other one is like, sure, you're right, it's not great. And so lowlights are probably skippable episodes. Uh, And then Dark Horse are episodes, this is the last category, Dark Horse, we each have two. This is where there's some contention, because some people might say skip these, some people might say, no way, don't skip these. So that's how it breaks down. They're very fun categories, and they mean that we can basically break entire seasons of television into uh, categories that show how much we like them and why we like them and we can discuss that so yeah. uh do we want to start with essentials uh yeah let's do that awesome uh do you i'll do the first one how about that yeah we'll go back and forth yeah so the first one the first essential episode that we have on our list is season three episode 18 fractures in the season recap that magellan just read earlier uh he pointed out the murder mystery with the hynerian that did it um, that is referring to Fractures. It was written by Rockne S. O'Bannon, so it's kind of one of those, like, the whole crew is getting together. It is the one where the Moya and Talon crews merge back on Moya, and it provided a jumping-off point for the rest of the season. Um, and we love this episode. Fractures is a lot of fun. Um, it introduced us to the first intersex character in Farscape, and uh, which is referring to Hubero and... There was the Boolite, who was that character that was like a goo monster that had to be reassembled to sort of solve the plot. It's just, it's really fun, which I think is important. It's pretty funny. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a ton of pathos, both in like the way that all of the different characters uh, latch on to somebody who's come onto the ship. Like, I'm going to defend this person for life and why they do that and what that says about them. But then it's also a good sort of like continuation of the John and Aaron stuff that seemed like it was over when Talon's John died. 
Yeah. Uh, I think what I would, yeah, I think what I would say about fractures is it's kind of, it's the launch pad for the rest of season three and presumably going into season four um, because it brings people back together and it's this essential re-entry point into the end game of the season after uh, both parallel plots were kind of spinning their wheels for a little bit, trying to kind of reconverge. And there's a lot of tension between John and Aaron that is setting this new normal. And again, yeah, it, it expands the world of Farscape. It shows the emphasis that the show has on character above everything else. Everybody gets a little moment to kind of be special and and be interesting and have a friend. I think my two favorite scenes from this episode are just the beginning where Dargo and John are like John's shirtless and Dargo's like, ah, oh, you know, that shirt. Uh, I always thought the color of the green shirt doesn't suit the shape of your body. And that's a very cute scene. <laughs> and then on the other hand, we have the like Aaron coming off of Talon enjoying Moya. John's like, hey, babe, what's up? And then she fucking walks past him. And <laughs> that was the moment where I said, oh, the rest of the season is going to make me sad. Okay, that's what we're doing. Yeah. So that is Fractures. Yeah. Our next essential episode, these are a little out of order, but hey, you know, whatever. Our next essential episode is season three, episode 11, Incubator. And just to sum this one up, it's the Scorpius backstory episode. I think we were a little, I don't know what the right word is, underwhelmed, I guess, because we had kind of high expectations for what a Scorpius backstory could look like. So maybe it's surprising that it's in the essential category, but I think it's just so vital to understanding Scorpius's motivations, what he's doing, to really finally solidify him as a character. Because we, we knew a lot about him, but just knowing the extent of his revenge mission, knowing how he thinks, seeing him in moments of calm, control, but also desperation, um, getting a view into how the other half live. Um, again, this episode is pushing us towards elaborating on the world on the universe of Farscape and setting up these huge stakes that are going to be uh, important. I would imagine they're going to be the groundwork for season four. Um, so incubators, all that obviously Wayne Pigram is, does a fantastic job in this episode as he always does. Um, so it's worth watching even just for that for him. Um, and yeah, I, I just think it's essential for those reasons. I think in terms of like Scorpius's backstory, the stuff that was over or rather underwhelming was, um, the circumstances of his birth and just the whole like bad guy is evil because they were the product of rape. Like that's kind of a overused bad yeah. trope. Um, so like the thing that I like about this episode is not necessarily the Scorpius backstory because that was anticipated to be good. But what surprised me with how good it was, was just like the back and forth between Scorpius's crew, like between the beautiful one-off character, nurse Froy, um, the introduction of Coker Estrapa, our boy, and yeah. uh and Bracca, who finally got some really good moments in this episode uh yeah. that whole thing and then also just like the reminder that hey even though scorpius seems really powerful and in a high position of power in the peacekeepers uh we see how he joined them and we realize that he is still as looked down upon by the other peacekeepers as he was when he first joined like he gets all this money to make this wormhole weapon happen but nobody is like treating him with enough respect higher up. And they're just kind of like, hey, if you make it work, that's great. But we're not going to like give you that much help. So that's why he has to go into his own head and tell the, the John inside of his head his backstory. Because uh, he doesn't have the whole army behind him. Right. Uh, so I thought that stuff was really well done. Um, speaking of well done, the uh, next episode uh, that we have 
for our essential category, Season 3, Episode 15, Infinite Possibilities, Part 2, Icarus Abides. Uh, this is the second half of the furlough returns uh, arc. We also saw the return of Jack, and uh, we saw John and Aaron on Dombada, the not-exactly-Mad-Max planet where we originally met furlough. And this episode ends with our boy Talon John Crichton dying. Uh, yeah. because he sees that there's like a, wor- a nuclear weapon or whatever, a wormhole weapon in like a box, and he looks at it to close it, and the blue light catches him, just like the guy who worked on nuclear weapon technology in real life, and he's like, well, I guess I'm dead. And then we get one of the saddest scenes ever where Aaron, on his deathbed, uh, is talking to him, and he gets his last lines, and we lose a main character. It was a really big and heavy yeah. moment where we realized, oh, shit, because we had spoken earlier in another um, talent episode about how having two John Crichtons means you can technically kill your main character at some point. And mm-hmm. I didn't expect it to be here. I was genuinely surprised by that. If everything, if anything, I feel like this episode dragged a little bit in terms of just like being sadness consistently, yeah. but it is carried by the strength of its ending a lot. Yeah. I think with any two parter that the show has, there are moments in the infinite possibilities two-parter of slowness and things like that. I think, yeah, there's just a weirdness of pace in infinite possibilities. But the reason that this second part transcends that is because it is really confronting everything that Farscape is about in one episode. It's talking about the love between Aaron and John. It's talking about the importance of home versus the importance of here it's talking about you know taking in this sort of wider view of the universe and trying to do good uh all that stuff is coming together in one beautiful fantastic and terrifying set of scenes seeing the wormhole weapon deployed on a ship was dazzling i thought that was some that was a really really cool moment and obviously the death was impactful as well. I mean, it was drawn out somewhat, but right. that like what other show can kill a main character in the way that this show just did? Because it's not like that John Crichton's going to come back to life, you know? Yeah. They've killed he plenty is, of main characters yeah. and have them come back. Yeah. So it's just such a, it's just such a fascinating and rich conclusion to a few different threads that also helps propel the philosophical underpinnings of those threads forward into the rest of the show. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, our final essential episode here is season three, episode 21 into the lion's den part two wolf in sheep's clothing. Yes. So this is the big bombastic finale uh, of the into the lion's den pair of episodes. I think consistently we're rating the second part of two parters higher than the first part, just because they get to have those kind of final moments. But if you're listening to this because you're like, which episodes of Farscape should I catch up on to move into season four? Obviously, obviously you probably want to watch both parts of a two parter. So it's kind of, you know, we're breaking them up because they're single episodes, but there's a weirdness there. Anyway, Wolf in Sheep's Clothing. I think the thing that we love about it is just that stuff is starting to go down. We see heroic deaths from Crace, from Talon, from Strappa. Hmm. Strappa perhaps with the best death of the show so far. Yeah, and it, it's just a big episode 
Farscape doesn't do big episodes very often, but when it does, they really they really make sure to do it right. And I felt that that wolf in sheep's, sheep's clothing was definitely done right. I think this was a fun episode for us to record late at night because it feels like the kind of thing you could watch in a movie theater and like pick apart like in literary yeah. big ways. Because um, it's definitely Farscape's biggest pairing of episodes, like in terms of scale. But it was also just like there was a lot of weird moments, like Sword Arm Guy, I believe, was in part two, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and Aaron swinging in to save Crace so that he can jump into Talon and sacrifice himself. Like just it's a it's a show of moments, and the and Into the Lines Then Wolf and Sheep's Clothing was chock full of moments, and like. You know, I want to emphasize one final time that when we talk about Strappa and we're like, oh, he's our boy and we joke about all this stuff. There's no irony in that. Like that is genuinely a million percent sincerely one of the best deaths in a TV show. Just like full stop. Uh, So, yes, Into the Lines then. Wolf in Sheep's Clothing. Amazing episode. Less amazing (laughs) is our highlights of the season. (laughs) Shall I go first, Magellan? Yeah, why don't you go first? Coolio. Each of us got three highlights that we wanted to bring up um and my first highlight is season three episode five different destinations or dot 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 different destinations i never figured out why there's an ellipsis at the beginning there maybe it's like because that's part of a saying yeah i'm not sure but that's beyond the point the point is this episode's awesome because um for me and the reason that i like chose this one explicitly was this was the episode that solidified to me that season three was going to be amazing uh because it's the time travel episode where the crew goes to like a ruined planet. This is, I believe, the Talon crew. Oh, no, they're not even split at this point. They're so not this is split. like the full crew. Right. Uh, and Stark accidentally opens up a wormhole through time, which, again, like a thing we've been talking about a lot in season three, if we're talking like recurring themes, uh, is that they will like do a sci fi way of doing something that another show could have handled much simpler. Uh, so like they could have found a time machine box or something or like a phone booth or something silly like that or gone to like a gone through like a time wormhole but instead it's like no stark's mask fucked up and his magic like sent us back so it becomes a story about them like writing the past and it features a good scene of harvey like coaching john into being um a more level-headed leader and it's just yeah the harvey stuff was great yeah and the whole like all of the wet the references to western films which i'm super fond of uh, it's just a, it's an episode that's full of heart and like it's really sincere and like everybody gets a nice moment. Dargo with the young girl and like Aaron with the young peacekeeper kid who gets shot in the fucking stomach with an arrow. <laughs> like <laughs> there's a lot of nice moments and it uses its set design well. Uh, I just thought it was a ton of fun and uh, it made me very happy. It's an episode I think is infinitely rewatchable. Hmm. Yeah, I I enjoyed different destinations. I didn't love it as much as you did. I think the it's kind of the real start to season three because the first four episodes are so mired in resolving the the big events of the end of season two yeah that it doesn't feel like we're starting fresh yet season of death you know we just jump back in and it's like ah things are still bad and then we got to figure out the Aaron coming back to life stuff we got to figure out the jothy stuff but now season episode five we just had a big character death. We know that it's for real. We know Zan's not coming back. Now we're getting started moving forward with the rest of the season. And so it is a stabilizing episode in that sense. And it, like, the crew fucks up, you know? They kind of ruin something in a way that's tone-setting and and different than other one-off episodes. 
Um, cause like a season one, one off, most of them are like, Hey, we fixed it. We solved it. You know, like when they, when, uh, and thank God it's Friday again, they like go to this planet and they fix it. I guess we talked about how that they didn't, they fix it in a way that was kind of questionable, but yeah. But you're, what you're saying little, is the show, yeah. the show at that point didn't really make it seem questionable. That was like us looking into it. Yeah. Whereas now it's more like, Hey, yeah, no, we didn't fix things. We just right. left. Mm-hmm. I'll move on to my first highlight. If that's chill. Do it. Please do it. Okay. My first highlight is probably, I'm going to say, my favorite episode of season three and one of my top, just top episodes of the show so far. It's up there with a human reaction and something else. Make up my top three. I got to think about it more. It's Dog with Two Bones, episode 22, the finale of this season. Mark, Mark. Um, and to me, I I don't know. I just love that Farscape is a show where they give you the big, dynamic, huge, explosive episode that is Wolf in Sheep's Clothing. They really go for broke. And then it's like, that's not the end. We got to give you this this trippy, psychological, very interior examination of Crichton and his emotional struggles. That is the final episode. And it's it's all over the place. It's kind of like you're lucid dreaming the whole thing. They throw in a new character and don't explain it for half an hour before they finally set it straight. They And it's like really funny at times. And at other times it's just crushing. And then there's action. There's drama. There's so much going into Dog with Two Bones. And that – we didn't talk about it really on the episode that we that we just did about Dog with Two Bones. But that image, that metaphor – of Crichton being the dog that looks at his own reflection and that reflection has a bone. He's holding a bone in his mouth and he tries to have both bones and his bone falls in the water, right? It's like, wow, that is what we've been talking about this entire show. And it's so perfectly encapsulated in the debate that he's having right now. So I, I just love it. I think part of it is like you have kind of alluded to part of it is that it's just a human reaction part two, because it really is kind of refreshing that same question of can the Moya crew make it on Earth? But this time around, the question is a little different. It's not like, will Earth reject my friends? It's will my friends reject Earth? And so I, I, I think that that's fantastic. And I think that it's really cool that, that this show keeps those emotional questions so forward in its in its plotting and in its presentation i wish i could say that this is a good episode to show someone like why farscape is good because in a way it is like you said it's very funny and it's also going to break your heart which is totally like the 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 tag for farscape as a show but like so many finales it requires you to know so much about who everyone is and why they are where they are um, and to care about them enough that you see it and you're like, oh, shit, similar to a human reaction, which is another like amazing episode, but doesn't really stand entirely on its own. Um, yeah, but I, I do think that it's I'll make a case that I think Dog with Two Bones is maybe an easier episode to show someone than Into the Lion's Den and have them get emotionally what the show is about. Like it might I don't know, it might seem off putting, but also the show's very vi- this episode's very visual. Um, in a way where you can tell right from the first scene, like, okay, that's the main guy. He's in love with that lady. Uh, she doesn't, it looks like she's not fitting into his life at home. Like you can kind of, and then 
each character has their little vignette in John's fantasy in such a way that you can get basically who they are. It's obviously, I'm not advocating like Dog with Two Bones is the first episode of Farscape you should so- show somebody because it does give away a lot of things, but it's not an impossible entry point. We were talking, I think, off mic during the recording of the Dog with Two Bones discussion about how Farscape as a show, for whatever reason, lends itself really well to comic books. And I think mm-hmm. as we've continued to wrestle with this question of where is a good place to start with Farscape, I almost forgot, I almost called it Fartscape, uh, then like... <laughs> similar to comic books that like from the 80s and 90s that would go for years and years and years and then really the only way for like the average consumer to get into them was to just pick a starting point maybe the start of an arc and hope that they could jump on and get it and like you can actually do that with farscape and then go back obviously because there's a lot of great episodes from the start but like just pick somewhere and be like i don't know this is weird but i'm gonna learn it and it's it's even it's even Hmm. less complicated than comic books like you could just say i want to get to the scorpius's chip in Crichton's brain and i want to figure it out from there and it's fine you'll get into it and you'll totally understand who everyone is and why they are the way they are that's the magic of this show is that it is all inviting it is all very like relatable and easy to to understand if that's you give a, it a little time that's a really great point the idea that this is an a show made of arcs um, right because you know we do the the kind of season separation thing because tv works in seasons but you can you can break this season and most seasons of farscape into clear arcs right yeah like the first arc of season three ends at zan's death the yeah. second arc ends at the splitting after thanks for sharing the third arc ends at icarus abides the fourth arc ends at fractures and then there's a fifth arc that ends either at wolf and sheep's clothing or dog with two bones something like that yeah that's some, that's something interesting to think about that it subdivides a lot more exactly like a lot of shows that are serialized like this uh you kind of need at like an arc is maybe a whole season or a season and a half where this show puts them into much smaller sort of like issues like in a way yeah farscape is just a visual comic book um and i love it where are we what is what is happening right now what are we doing your second <laughs> your second highlight <laughs> thank you my second highlight is uh, Season 3, Episode 12, Meltdown, uh, which was our first guest episode that we had co-hosted by Old as Your Omens. Old as Your Omens. Omens. There you go. I don't like to edit the music unless I'm doing them way back, so there you go, friend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a little behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Meltdown was a really weird, fun episode. Um, I put it under a highlight and not an essential because... Uh, there's nothing essential about it. Like, it's just about uh, Stark. Stark finally gets an episode for himself. Aaron and John are very horny. Grace is very angry. And Talon yeah. is just a sassy boy. Like, it is the probably the most, like, closest thing that the Talon uh, plots have to, like, a prototypical episode. Just like, oh, classic Talon crew. Everyone's sad and something fucked up and Stark fell in love and broke mm. something. Yeah. Uh, in that way, it is, like, pretty easy to get and grasp. But it's also got some of the most bizarre imagery. Like, I will never forget Stark being merged with uh, Talon because he's a dummy and thought that he could go chase a girl if he merged with the ship. And then, like, flying away from a sun that's radiating people. And Mukwillis teleporting Firewise, like an Oblivion boss, into the ship. Oh, my God. I forgot about him. Yeah, yeah. All of that stuff is in here. And it starts with that classic, like, wait, did Kreis actually not kill Zalax? Just kidding. Ah, 
Like it's a it's a really fun and weird episode. I think it's worth yeah. watching if you're looking for that like sort of Farscape brand of fun and weird. Definitely, definitely. I don't have much else to say on that episode. I it is very funny and high melodrama in a way that is at one time it's at the same time both tongue in cheek and still sincere. Like for some of the characters it's tongue in cheek and for some characters it's not, which is a great balance to be able to strike. Right. And Farscape as a show never goes ironic, which I appreciate. Like even when it's weird and like tongue in cheek, it's like it's still genuine about it. Um, And that's the thing I like the most about Meltdown is that it's it completely commits to Stark's character arc in this episode. Um, And just Mm -hmm. in terms of like talking about scape chats, I had a ton of fun doing Meltdown with Omens. Like this was our first attempt at this whole thing. Like, oh, we're gonna have a guest on. They're gonna talk to us. And uh, she had already been such a voice in the Moya bag with her memos. And then to have her on with an episode that she liked a lot. It was like, oh, this is, wow, we are we are having the community join us in a way that is really heartwarming. Right. And also, forgot to mention it, but shout out and big thanks to Brian for being on last week with uh, Dog With Two Bones. That was also a really, really fun discussion. Yeah, I'm loving all these guests, man. This is just yeah. <laughs> the best thing we could have done with the second half of this show, I think. <laughs> My next highlight is episode 13, Scratch and Sniff, which similar... I think similar departure, well, no, maybe not a departure. Meltdown, you might not think of as a departure, but it's certainly stylized, right? Meltdown is operatic. It's big. It's a shift from center for Farscape, but still very on brand. And I think Scratch and Sniff is similar. Um, It's a shift towards kind of a more fast-talking, silly editing style, which we had seen in an episode like Won't Get Fooled Again, I felt kind of had a similar frenetic nature to it as scratch and sniff. But obviously this one was in the the real Farscape universe as opposed to in uh, Crichton's mind. And yeah, scratch and sniff is just like high octane, very entertaining, very fun. We had some issues, I think with the staleness of the, of the plot, the core basic skeleton of the plot, but overall, it was an incredibly fun episode to watch. One of the most fun viewing experiences of the season, I think. Yeah, and I think the reason why it's this was another perfect, like Magellan should take this one and I shouldn't is because I did like Scratch and Sniff a lot, but I couldn't ever seem to get completely over the fact that it's about a villain that, like, you know, tricks women into sleeping with him and that kind of thing. And this, like, weird date rapey kind of way. Um which is, again, very much like calling back to the reference of the directors that um, the people on the show were clearly paying homage to, like your Tarantinos and your Guy Ritchies. But, uh, you know, Farscape is usually much more subversive than uh, it was in Scratch and Sniff. And while it was a good one of those, I was just like, well, I would have liked to see this show do it in their more weird, even more weird way. But yeah. again, it was really fun. And we got Francesca Browder as uh, as a cool alien character and uh john and dargo together being bros is like the best thing so yeah that was uh scratch and sniff and finally my last highlight is season three episode 10 relativity this was a tricky one for us to categorize because it really is as simple as this is the episode where aaron and her mom just kind of figure some stuff out uh yeah because up until this point zalak's son was being introduced as like, oh, she, you know, loved you for a while. And definitely that was how Aaron lived her whole life was having that one time that she saw her mother and her saying, I loved you and you were conceived out of love. And then 
finding out later that that Talon discovered that Zalax is now running the Peacekeeper crew that's hunting down Aaron and the gang in Talon. And so this is the episode where they all meet up on this court sort of like predator jungle planet. And it's just like a lot of chasing people through the woods and then they get into fights and Aaron and Zalax are on the floor by a tree just like trying to kill each other screaming about how sad they are that they didn't live the life that they expected to and sort of like expectations versus reality which is really big and is kind of like the core of Aaron's relationship to her family Um, because her arc is so important like her whole like growing up in a soulless community of peacekeepers and being told that emotions are bad and that you need to be cold and calculating and smart and then like her development really took a big jump forward with relativity and in that way i thought it that it was pretty excellent yeah i don't know i would almost disagree that her character development jumped forward i think this is where we differ on this episode and on the zalik sun plot line in general i think i enjoyed it at the time uh that i was watching but in retrospect it felt like the zalik sun stuff was kind of crowded in to the talon half of the show um, because the Talon episodes were reckoning with Stark's grief was a big piece of it. Crace's, uh, descent into like physical torture right. because of Talon. Um, and then the Aaron and John falling in love stuff. Um, and then on top of that, we then had to cram in the furlough and Jack the ancient wormhole stuff in the middle of it as well. So the Zalek Sun plot line felt to me like filler, like they were like, okay, now we'll put this here and then we'll kind of use it also as the bumper at the end of the talent stuff because we're out of things. And it also felt like they were kind of defaulting towards the more dour, sad possibilities as opposed to something more nuanced, I guess. And it just, I don't know, it just felt like re- we were rehashing the same Aaron thing the same Aaron character development that we'd already gotten in episodes like the way we weren't yep yeah so I think at the time of watching this episode and Zalek's son stuff it definitely felt like oh yeah we're getting character development but in retrospect it I don't necessarily feel that way I think a lot of the complaints that you just had um could be directly also applied to the choice another Aaron yeah. son episode in just terms of like wow do we really need this like did this need to be as sad as it is um, and I think the reason I liked Relativity more than the choice is Relativity is a much more like quiet episode. Like it's a lot of just like yeah. people skulking through the woods and John and Crace are like kind of growing out and, you know, everyone is doing their little moments and being hunted. And then like it should have been taken care of in this episode, which is why mm-hmm. if anything, this the only thing that bummed me out was that they ended it with the like Crace, of course, didn't actually shoot Zalax. That is a cop out if I've ever seen one. But mm-hmm. You know, they had to get rid of, they had to take care of the Aaron stuff eventually. And I guess this was how they chose to do it. Right. Yeah. I almost would have liked to see Aaron's mom earlier, like last season or something. Yeah. There was room last season to do that, I think. Yeah. But, you know, it happened when it happened. You can't really argue about a hypothetical show. Right. Exactly. Okay. My final highlight here is episode 16, Revenging Angel. And I, I put it up here. It's definitely a lighter episode. And when we watched it, there was a lot of incongruity in terms of the different plot lines that were going on. Um, and tonally it was, uh, it did not sit that well with the choice, which was the one we watched it for the same episode of the podcast. Right. But revenging angel is just, first of all, it's just fun, right? Yeah. The idea of we're going to do the Looney tunes 
episode. Great. That's awesome. Because it's it really epitomizes that at its core, Farscape is kind of a loony show, right? I mean, not to be I am being silly. I'm being silly on purpose. I'm not going to pretend like I'm not being. It's a it's a loony show. Um, pun intended. Yeah, pun intended is the way to say what I just said in two <laughs> words. <laughs> um, yeah, and and it doesn't shy away from that. And if it has a weird idea, if the creators have a strange idea, they're going to do it. And either you're going to like it because that's what the show is about, or you're going to say this isn't for me, and that's fine. It's a show that's not afraid to be itself and to do the kinds of episodes that other shows aren't going to do. So it does this Looney Tunes episode, but it does it as a way of examining um, a, just the things that John Crichton as a character is struggling with and kind of throwing every character at him as a way of divining what it is that makes him different, what defines his approach to life, while also giving some insight into how he views the other characters and how the other characters go about their lives as well. And then we have great moments between Dargo and Jewel. I thought that was wonderful. Uh, Jewel got some much-needed character development there. Yeah, just the John, the John uh, dream sequence, the animated stuff, but also his live-action dream mind sequences were great as well. I think, again, getting to like the highlights being the one where one of us loves and the other one recognizes it's good. I did enjoy this episode. Um, I felt like this was not our best podcast episode just because we had to deal with the like incredibly difficult whiplash of going from the wacky cartoon episode to the saddest episode of the like fake saddest episode of the show. Um, mm-hmm. But also like, I liked that it wasn't just a Looney Tunes riff. It was also a Roger Rabbit riff. I think that, that stuff was really, or like a send up rather than a riff. Uh, yeah. I thought that stuff was super well done and the animation was great. I just like this episode is John's group therapy. And if anything, Having finished season three, I think John himself needs another revenging angel. Like he needs to just like suss even more shit out because yeah. huh. he's just he didn't like he got a little bit better and then it's like whoops now we need way more therapy. We need to just really cartoon it up again if we can. Uh, I guess the the one thing that bothers me about revenging angel is that um they use the therapy thing on a non problem. Yeah, like the problem being oh me and Dargo are fighting. That's not an issue that defines this show, especially. With like you just talked about scratch and sniff previously, and it's like that was the episode where John and 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 uh, Dargo were like besties, and they managed to take down a bad guy together. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh, they're so mad at each other; they just can't get along. And you're like, what is? I guess because like I don't know, <laughs> the, it's really difficult to pinpoint why they made that the focus of this episode. Um, but I think a revenging angel that would be more about the like John's conflict with people coming home. Sort of like Dog with Two Bones, but it's car- a cartoon, is what I'm saying. <laughs> would be kind right. of cool. Right. Alan, before we get on to our next category, maybe we should send it on over to the Moya bag. Moya bag? More like Moya... I'm so tired, folks. <laughs> we'll be right back with more Escape Chat. Hello, Escape Chats listeners and all my beautiful scuppies out there. It's time for the Moya bag, where I, Alan, read your feedback and comment on it. We're going to start with Twitter, as always, this week. Uh, and we got a lovely, nice, long memo from... Who lists off multiple things that hurt her about these episodes. Um, referring to Dog with Two Bones, actually. Granny and her drugs. John shooting up the place because the truth is too painful and he thinks it's real. Jewel and Chiana cuddling after they release Talon, while Chiana is still blind and Jewel is reassuring her. 
and of course, the part of the coin toss scene where John tries to kiss Aaron and she avoids his lips before giving in. She also says, oh my god, Granny, Granny is wonderful, but her morals are so dubious. And then goes on to say that the lack of Moya being a big happy family is kind of important and real. They're very different people that have been stuck together and learned to live together. They all have different goals, and it's to the point where, like, why should they stay together? Yeah, they like each other, but in a practical sense, there's no reason to live together anymore. And about the Australian actress and the weird American stereotype thing, Alan and I have had this conversation because Claudia Black does it too in interviews, and it's apparently widespread, and I agree with Brian, it annoys me. Referring to the scene where John and Aaron in John's head are at the like wedding dress place, and the lady's like an annoying American stereotype, apparently that's just a thing, like a lot of Australians... Um, including Claudia Black when they do like impersonations of dumb Americans do that voice and it's like kind of not cool Also, Aaron's entire death scene was way overacted. Sorry, Claudia. I love you, but SMH and the coin toss is wonderful And then they quoted me when I said they're gonna end up together or Farscape is gonna really make us very sad and They said you'd be surprised at how much both answers that Which is very exciting. Thank you Owens Our other tweet this week came from Angela Scrangela. My name is who says, playing Guy Gross's Russian men's choir soundtrack under your scene reading was both beautiful and hilarious. That's actually it for tweets this week. If you'd like to tweet at us, we are, we are at Scape Chats on Twitter, um, and we appreciate those. Moving on to the Reddit thread, because we didn't get any emails this week. Uh, our top comment was actually from Domain101, aka Brian Hall, um, who said, hey, it's that guy I am. Uh, thanks again, Brian, for being on the show. We're, we'd love to have you back soon. Um, and I think that the comments in here also agree that you were great. Blue Blaze Spear says, Fine job you did there. I was impressed with your ability to hold your tongue despite them continually teeing you up to just blab spoilers all over the place. I'll be sure to give your podcast a listen. And everyone should do that by looking up the Lost or Profound podcast on your favorite podcast apps. Blue Blaze Spear also hit us with another long comment talking about how they were really curious about what we would think about this episode because it's unusual tone and with it coming on the heels of a set of episodes that already felt like a season finale. They rather liked it, but they could see how someone might view it as nonsensical. It's time for them to call back to some foreshadowing they did back in our Vetus Mortis episode. The old Luxon woman, Nalam, was played by an actress that I mentioned we would see again. That actress is Melissa Jaffer. This episode's Enigmatic Naranti. Which is a cool, that's pretty cool that she's already been on the show before. In all of John's imaginings of what a perfect Earth that includes all of his Moya friends would be, it would have been a really nice touch if he could have imagined Zahn being there with them. I'm sure the reality of the situation might have not allowed for that, but that image would have been very powerful. That, reading that made me really, like, profoundly sad the first time I read it. Because they, like, again, logistically couldn't bring back Zahn, but if you were really in Crichton's head and he was really trying to construct a perfect Earth world, then Zahn would have been there. Then they talked a lot about the coin flip, like a lot of people did, um, and compared it to uh, Final Fantasy VI, which features a similar uh, coin flip scene. Um, I will say that I have not played Final Fantasy VI. It is a game I've always wanted to play, so I tried to not fully read this comic because I know that it's like kind of getting into plot stuff. Um, but I've heard that's like the best Final Fantasy game by people, like old school folks, so I would love to play it someday, and then I can read this comment and totally get what you're talking about. They also went on to say, Alan, when you referred to Crichton as a boneless dog, it reminded me of a day last week when my wife and I went to a Chinese buffet. Sitting across the aisle from us was a kid who I would guess was somewhere in the 10 to 12 year range with his parents. At some point during their meal, the kid turns to his mom and asks quite loudly, is any of this dog meat? (laughs) 
Also, why did your goodwill hunting joke die so horribly? I thought it was a good pull. Thank you, Blue Blaze Spear. When you have three people on a podcast, it's hard to let any joke have that much breathing time, um, except for the ideal wedding thing that got its own like little segment. So uh, they're all hit or miss. Leo Chris responding to the Final Fantasy VI points, and then they kind of go back and forth talking about video games. Talking about Final Fantasy IV as a true classic, epic story, they don't make sci-fi shows like Farscape anymore, all that good stuff. SLK Keeling says, I have the 15th anniversary DVD edition and it does have those deleted scenes in it. Love the Dargo Conga line. I don't want to say, like, send us those. I do wish those were on YouTube. Because, like, apparently, I did a YouTube search while trying to find these. The YouTube channel that has all of the cool behind-the-scenes stuff that we talk about and, and love on YouTube, it's all coming from the same YouTube channel. I cannot remember the name off the top of my head, but that channel also has a bunch of the deleted scenes from the show, and yet they don't have Dog With Two Bones deleted scenes, um, and it bums me out a lot. I'm actually going to try and pull up the, the channel name so that people can like find them and you know talk to them, but you know, point is, those deleted scenes have to exist online somewhere, and I would almost consider buying the DVD at the end of all this just to get those. Uh, the user's name is Sprite Lady, by the way. For Sprite Lady on YouTube, you're doing the Lord's work. Um, and Leo Chris ends by saying, Great episode, guys. I must admit, I was a little worried at first. With it being a single episode discussion, I feared it could be really short and leave me wanting more. But it wasn't the case at all. Brian was a wonderful guest host, and I really enjoyed his contributions. Still laughing at the Phil Collins jokes. One thing I do love about Scape Chats is precisely the level of interaction we the fans have with the contents. Like, you'll mention a regular username during a Moyabag segment, and I'll go, Oh yeah, that guy! I remember them! Are you going to be revisiting your Season 3 predictions during the recap to see what you got right and wrong? Um, I'll answer that and say that we didn't explicitly go back to those, but I did reference them in the recap, which we've already recorded. I still remember a lot of those, and it's kind of funny to look back and think, like, Oh man, we totally, like, thought... It wasn't like we thought Aaron was going to have a metal arm or something. Um, <laughs> they're always fun. Uh, and then finally they say, as far as the comics go, they're available for digital purchase from a couple places. Here's a handy guide on the comics and the order they should be read in, although $2 an issue could probably get expensive fast. I agree. Um, we will keep looking. Thank you for those links, though. Leo Chris. And yeah, people really love that, that that's like the thing that our Farscape podcast does differently, is that we want the fans to be in it with us. Whether or not y'all have seen the show 8,000 times, or are watching it for the first time, or introducing it to your friends. We're all part of the same community. You are our beautiful scuppies. That name is catching on now, I think. And it's beautiful. In terms of production, behind-the-scenes stuff, Magellan is back home now, and uh, we are able to record in person for presumably the rest of the show. Yay! So we recorded the recap, which is what you're hearing right now, of course. And we recorded the Season 4, Episode 1 discussion just yesterday, as of my recording of this Moya bag. And we're going to try and hit a good once a week schedule and try and get on track. So with that in mind, thank you for listening to the Moy Bag and enjoy the rest of our season three recap. And we're back. Next up, we're talking uh, the decent category of season three episodes. I'll start us off by talking about season three, episode eight, Green Eyed Monster. I think I actually liked Green-Eyed Monster slightly more than some of the stuff that was in our highlights, I, ironically. But the reason mm. I put it in decent was because not a lot comes of it. It's kind, And it's also like, it is written by Ben Browder. I think it's his first episode. Is that true? Did I make that up? Yeah, it's true. Cool, great. 
and he writes Aaron and John incredibly well, and it features one of the best final scenes of the show. But like, it's again talking about like Revenging Angel being based on conflict that didn't need to exist. It's like, really, is Christ jealous of Aaron and John's relationship? Like, is that mm-hmm. what's going on here? Right. Like that significantly brought this episode down for me. Just trying to like force conflict between the three of them uh because already yeah. like the the thingy that they fight in this episode like the giant humpback whale, the budong the humpback whale um yeah, is like a, it's a cool concept and they're dealing with that and they're dealing with towns not listening to orders and all that stuff uh that's like fine enough and then we also just had to have like hey Grace hates john just because and that bummed me out yeah i i think i had a hard time watching this episode reconciling whether that love triangle was classic or immature yeah and that that brought it down for me too uh i will argue the point about this episode not like nothing coming of it because they do make out at the end right who john and aaron yeah don't they re-spark their whole love connection yeah well i just you know i already knew that they were in love so for me it was like yeah we're right. just con- confirmed we, what didn't, we, already we didn't need this episode to do that i guess yeah yeah okay well, well that's green-eyed monster yep uh, my first decent is part of one of the two parters we've already talked about. It's Into the Lion's Den Part 1, Lambs to the Slaughter, Slaughter, Slaughter. Bah. Uh, this is the part with the guy with the buzzsaw hand, <gasps> not the other part. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, this episode had a lot of cool elements in it. Um, I think you kind of have to watch it with wolves and sheep, Wolf and Sheep's Clothing, but Wolf and Sheep's Clothing is like the cool, great part. Mm-hmm. Um, this just has a lot of fun moments um we get the introduction of greza which i'm guessing there's going to be a little more greza action coming up just because of how like much she was made up and costumed um (laughs) (laughs) and uh the whole like bad gang of peacekeepers on the command carrier the uh there's one other element that what was it there was one other piece oh aaron's old friend yeah, I like this episode. I'm not. There's not much more to say than that. We talked about it in our Into the Lion's Den episode. I think it sets up a lot of great things that come to fruition in Wolf and Sheep's Clothing. And in general, it's cool to see the Moya crew out of their element, to see them in a new environment and see what that does to them. It's, yeah, it's serviceable. I just, again, like the part ones never stick with me as much as the part twos do. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, this one did have... Some, this is probably one of the better part ones that we've seen. Yeah, uh, I think so. My second decent episode was season three, episode six, Eat Me, which um, is colloquially known as the horror episode, the spooky episode, the one where John gets cloned. Wait, what? Yeah, so this was the episode where they get onto that weird other Leviathan, and there's like control collars, and there's that weird asshole, creepy, creepy, creepy villain um, whose name I cannot remember. Uh, and everything is just like gross and sad and all of the crew of the ship have turned into zombies like it's got a lot going on it's a really weird episode there are parts of it that are genuinely disturbing i watched this one in the dark and kind of had a decent number of jump scares that spooked me but uh (laughs) other than the john twinning stuff it's like "Eh, that's fine chiana gets twinned Mm -hmm. and then they barely deal with the consequences of the twinning there they do it later this is the episode where they introduced twinning but they didn't really handle it that well uh, mm-hmm. and like the visual you know animal logic with the cg killing it consistently but like it, with the visual of the bubble like encompassing someone is like kind of silly um but in a way that i kind of dug i don't know it's just I, 
I, I'm torn on this episode, which is why I think it fits perfectly into decent because it has plenty of moments that I thought were great. And the twinning stuff was handled well later. But in this episode, it's like, uh, sure, we got off the sad ship and the pilot told us to kill him. And that part was really corny. But the rest of it is eh, serviceable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I respect this episode for kind of like what it's trying to do differently than uh, far- the rest of Farscape. But it is also not my Farscape. Hashtag not my Farscape. My second decent is Self-Inflicted Wounds Part 2, Wait for the Wheel. Again, the part two we like a little more than the part one. Honestly, I'm putting this in decent just because out of respect for Zahn as a character and out of respect to Virginia Hay. I, I think we wanted her death to be better um, than it was. Yeah, You could kind of feel there being less and less of her as the show went on. And there are very unfortunate behind the scenes reasons for that. Um which makes it unfortunate. So yeah, you know, we want to say that we really love Zahn as a character and Virginia Hay as an actress. And, uh, this episode was fine. It was a serviceable death, but it wasn't anything. It wasn't like the best death that we saw this season. Yeah. And if anything, the main problem with this episode is that it's, it's mostly involving Zahn talking to each of the crew members like, Hey, here's my lesson for you. And here's what we learned together as friends. And just, mm-hmm. you know, just because I kind of want to take stock of my life. And then, yeah, there there's like an alternate wormhole and they got to go through it. But one ship has to go through it and there's scientists. Like the scientist stuff is kind of cool. Uh, but her sacrifice feels very much like, well, I guess no no one else was going to do it. So we might as well take her out. And that was like a bummer way to lose an amazing character. Yeah. My final decent episode is season three, episode 19. I Yench, you Yench. Uh, this was an episode that was discussed a lot and anticipated a lot by us. Uh, and I thought it was fine. It's it's like it's another similar to Scratch and Sniff. It's another send up of uh, action films, specifically like a Tarantino or like a whoever the guy who directed um, that thing with Robert Downey Jr. that Magellan likes a lot. What am I thinking of? Lock, not Lockstock. The other one. Oh, uh, you're like talking two angry about... guys and the big guns. Two angry guys and the guns. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. and is like a bad criminal, and he's in a movie. Oh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah, that's the one. It's like that. Yeah. It's like or yeah. it's like a Robert Rodriguez. Like I, I said, I said from Dusk Till Dawn when we talked about it. Although uh, people who have seen that movie know that I'm full of shit because it's not that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 all over the place, and it's it, it relies on the strength of its of the show's side characters. It's Rigel mm-hmm. and Dargo and Bracca and Scorpius uh, chatting it up with um, each other as these annoying blue monkey aliens uh, say that everything is difficult. And there's a cook and his girlfriend and they're both cooks. And then they like light the place on fire and then he dies stupidly. <laughs> like It's actually kind of a really dumb episode, but uh, it was entertaining. And Rigel got some great character development. And it reminded yeah. me that I want more of that. But I think the reason that it fell into decent is because... Uh, this was after a huge break um, right. after the awesomeness that was the end of fractures where John is like, we're going to take down the command carrier. And then I is like, Hey, but what if we fought some robbers? And you're like, no, I want to go to the command yeah. carrier. It's been so long. Farscape. Yeah. I think my, my thing about I Yench is it's, it's a fine episode. It's fun to watch. Um, and yeah, you do get a lot of great Rigel, Dargo, Scorpius, Bracca stuff. Uh, that's 
those are the main characters. I feel like we barely see John in this episode. We barely see Aaron. Um, so in that sense, that's that's nice. I guess we do see them in the the side plot about Talon killing some people. Um, but the main focus is on these other characters. But it, I think I said this in the episode. It's an episode that could have been reduced to like a ten minute sequence as part of another episode. Right. It didn't need a full episode so, to itself. Yeah. This is my third decent. The first part of the Infinite Possibilities two-parter, Infinite Possibilities Deadless Demands, episode 14 of season three. And this one, you know, Icarus Abides, we like more because everything kind of comes to a head. Deadless Demands still has great aspects to it. I love the sequences. The Harvey sequences in this episode, I think, are some of my favorites because it really helps us understand Harvey as a character separate from Scorpius as somebody who's driven to self-preserve and it shows one way in which that self-preservation can happen. Uh, whereas we see in into the lion's den and dog with two bones that that self-preservation has kind of become more symbiotic for John, which that's something to consider as we see Harvey more and more. Uh, and then seeing Jack the ancient again, that's great. I love the ancients, obviously human reaction fan. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, seeing furlough again, <laughs> this episode, it's just, it's crazy how much continuity they're bringing back and continuity that at the time you're probably like, well, who cares? Like furlough, who cares? We never thought that furlough would come back. She was in that weird episode where Dargo needs someone to hit him on the chest so he doesn't die. Uh, yeah. So I, th- I think it's great that they are really bringing back all that continuity. They're really setting up this huge thing that is Icarus Abides. Um, but as its own episode, it's not the most amazing thing. And then the cliffhanger with Jorp coming back. It's like, come on, why that, are you doing that? That cliffhanger is the part that I was like, yeah, definitely put this in a decent. Don't put this in a like highlight or anything like that. Because that just ruins <laughs> the like pace and excitement of this episode is the shittiest cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Next, we're going to talk our one-per-person lowlight. Bum-bum-bum. Uh, Bum-bum-bum. This was formerly the category where we were like, ugh, we hated this episode, and here's why. But, like, neither of these episodes are trash, per se. They're just mm-hmm. way off base um, and not as good as they could be. Um, so with that in mind, my first uh, lowlight and my only lowlight is Season 3, Episode 1, actually, um, Season of Death. Season of Death was unfortunately burdened with the problems of setting up a whole new season while also dealing with everything that was happening with the Diagnosin and her, that like cute dude with the big, with the long hair who I like a lot, uh, Grunchlick. There you go. Um, and right, right, right. <laughs> like he's doing Wait, all that. You, who was he, who was he with? Uh, the Diagnosin. He's with the Diagnosin Badupu. That's the character's name. It's actually Tokot, but we're going to call him Badupu for the rest of time. It's yeah, and we got to see a new Scarin, but like, ugh, this episode is just like, just get to the thing that I want to see. Like, Aaron dies yeah. in this episode, and that's really sad. Or rather, um, did she die in the last season and then came back in this episode? Is that what it was? Yep, that's right. Yeah, so they're just like, oh yeah, I guess we need to. It, it like felt like you know we always talk about how the production of the show has influenced the way that it's had, like the story has progressed, but. The whole, like, oh, Zahn is the only person that can resurrect Aaron definitely felt like we are just rushing towards, we need to get rid of Zahn. Uh, 
Like, there yeah. were plenty of other ways that they could have brought her back. Um, maybe the only saving grace of this was like, A, in terms of recording the podcast, it was very exciting to like talk new Farscape because I felt like we had a big break um, towards the end of season two. And then mm-hmm. also Scorpius with the like possession of grunge like stuff and him manipulating everyone on that yeah, ice that planet. Yeah, that part was awesome. Yeah. And he like makes him bite his finger and all that stuff. That stuff's cool. And it's a good way to start a season. But like, I don't want to watch this episode again. <laughs> it's just trying to get to the place I know where the season is going to go. And yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I think my big problem was just how much they undid in this episode. Yeah. Because the season two finale is so hollowing. Literally, like John is there with his brain open. <laughs> he's and, and he's empty, can't speak anymore. Uh, and Aaron's dead. It's like, what the fuck are we going to do? And then it gets solved so quickly without even having to leave this planet. So that I think bothered me. Um, I understand that that's how it works. You know, that's television. Um, But at the same time, it means that this episode is not, it's not that exciting because they're just, they're solving everything. I think related to that, if you go back and listen to our season two recap, you can hear the hope in our voices as we're like trying to talk about what could happen in season three. Like, uh, John lost his voice. So we're going to have to deal with the whole like, consequences of no communication in a show where communication saves the day and like aaron's dead so we're gonna have to have a new character that john has to like deal with on all of that all of that it was like no 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 no. just she's alive he can talk again it's fine everything's good it just it reset so quickly that it felt like all right well then why did we have the consequences in the first place um yeah and in a way that soured the season three finale for me because um we're gonna talk predictions in a sec but like i have a feeling that none of the series stuff at the end of season three is gonna last long Hmm. yeah that's probably true. My low light for this season is actually very close to your low light. It's season three, episode two, Sons and Lovers. I did not like Sons and Lovers. My my big thing is I really did I really detested the whole Jothi Chiana relationship. I understand it on sort of a storytelling abstract level. The idea of like the father is is bested by the sun and you know dargo is undone by his him wanting to kind of bring all these aspects of his life together but also like dargo didn't do anything he's just being punished for nothing um and jothy's just bad he's just a bad boy i don't i don't like jothy i don't really see him as particularly interesting or sympathetic um and yeah, it just it made me sad and it bugged me and I wanted him to go away. And he did go away, which is good. And then the other aspect of it was the other plot in this episode was kind of immaterial. The what only thing the we got plot? out of it, it was the, they were on like that bar and then the lady was religious and floated to the ceiling. Oh, I recently got the thing that she chants stuck in my head. Oh, Lakmarukna Bay. <laughs> I don't know why I kept that. <laughs> my brain decided to just put that in the memory banks. That's uh, yeah, with like the hurricane, like the religious hurricane or whatever. Ugh. Or there was like a storm or something. I it's just That's funny. Yeah, but yeah, it was it was just immaterial. The only thing we really got of substance from that plotline was the idea that the Moya crew is infamous, which is kind of cool and new. But other than that, there wasn't anything there. And the Moya crew being infamous was a thing that was handled and talked about way more interestingly later in the season. So yeah, oh well. True. Uh, our final category of, of season three is the dark horse episodes and john don't you dare don't you dare i won't thank you sir 
Um, <laughs> now people think that I'm a meanie. Go listen to the season two recap. Magellan likes to sing. Uh, Dark Horse episodes. <laughs> Dark Horse episodes are when one of us loves it and the other person actively dislikes it. Um, so these are the most contentious, the most like, hey, I want to hold on to this one. I don't need to convince you, but I want people to know that there's things to like about this episode. Um, mm-hmm. So my first choice exemplifies that. It's probably the most contentious episode between us, which is season three, episode 17, The Choice, mm-hmm. which I'm now remembering um, has me in that episode being like, The Choice, because I couldn't say that word very, very well. <laughs> um, this is the emo Aaron episode, folks. This is where she's on the Blade Runner planet. And there's like a, a space fetus baby. And she like tries to sexually assault Crace. And Stark is incredibly horny. And they gave him a gun for some awful reason. Like, what a dumb episode. And then Zalax yeah. has a short emo haircut. It's so... Okay, here's why it's a Dark Horse, though. It's so dumb. It's In a lot of ways, it's actively <laughs> bad. The reason it's a Dark Horse episode is because I appreciate how committed it is to the bit. It never like shows its hand and says like oh we're just kidding we know yeah. that aaron's just like dumb and emo and like we're we're having fun here it's like no this is the saddest thing that has ever happened she's gonna scream john and then no one's gonna answer and isn't that so sad she's gonna tell rigel he can't come into her room like oh my god this episode is so full of itself <laughs> and i like that i i appreciate like so much of farscape its ability to pick a tone and say nope we are not moving from this this is where i stand on aaron's mm-hmm. plot yeah i something that I've kind of realized, and I think I talked about it in one of the Moya bags is that watching it with revenging angel made me really not be able to take it seriously, but also the Zalek sun stuff. Like I was saying before, it seems very melodramatic and like it could have been handled in a way that was differently. Like it was, it was just dark and sad for the sake of darkness and sadness instead of being from anything specific. I get that Aaron had to grieve. Obviously, John Crichton just died. That's huge. But to me, it didn't, I don't know. It just didn't, it didn't feel sincere, I guess. Or it it felt like they were taking it, they were treating it in a non-funny way, but it didn't feel true to the character, I guess. I, especially with Aaron's later development, I, I feel you on that. Um, Mm -hmm. I also think that just like we didn't give it because of the revenging angel combo, we didn't give it enough of a chance. Like in the episode, like there is a ton of subtext in the whole like Talon as her fake dad and Aaron clearly doesn't actually believe that he's her dad, but she's like buying into it because she's just drunk and depressed for the whole episode. Like that whole stuff is like really rich with like stuff. If you want to analyze Aaron's son as a complicated character, which is worth doing, um, then the choice is full of that yummy, delicious subtext. But, uh, it's like, you gotta look. You have to dig for it. Whereas the rest of the show is just overflowing with richness and wonder. You have to, like, mm-hmm. look for the good in uh, the choice, in our opinion. Yeah. My first Dark Horse that I'd like to talk about is Season 3, Episode... It's Episode... You know what it is. Episode 7. Thanks for sharing. You're welcome. This is the... Thank you. This is the Mobster Headcrab episode. I like it. Why do you like it? I think it's fun. I I think the planet's kind of cool. The brother-sister struggle, even though it's one of those episodes of Farscape where it's like, here's the planet. Care about the characters. Oh, by the way, they're all dead now. Or you're leaving. Sorry, we made you care. That aspect of it is a little frustrating. But the whole end sequence where the Johns have switched places to trick the crab and trick the people – 
I like it a lot. I think it's a very watchable episode. It's it's just fun to me. Um, and it's a it's a nice example of Farscape doing a, a smart plot. John is it's weird. I I usually don't like John as the best character on an episode, but I think he kind of like does the work um here i didn't like mm-hmm. the gangsters that much i thought they were funny and i thought their set design was cool but it's like whatever um i just didn't care i just watched this episode and i'm like ah like i'm laughing but i have like no investment yeah. in any of this it's just like ugh, this is all just happening isn't it um although thanks for sharing also has my favorite um single line from the show which is uh right come on you know who your daddy is who's your daddy dargo tell him who his daddy is i'm your daddy but that's you know <laughs> that's true i'm i'm weird <laughs> uh <laughs> my next dark horse is a less contentious one which is season three episode nine losing time this was the energy rider episode this was the weird spooky losing song. time <laughs> you had to get one song in that's the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the checklist for a recap episode is when john sings uh this was the energy writing episode, the one with the weird man, like celestial manta ray and its partner. And the partner mm-hmm. was in Chiana and it made her sound like a Britney Spears video. Uh, and <laughs> they, they jumped into this the basement. The bad day. Uh, and everything's, yeah, it's just weird. And this was the kind of thing that I wanted to see out of the Moya plots was like, Oh, somebody's on the ship. Cause it, it reminded us of like, what is in a way a classic Farscape episode, which is like something comes on the ship and makes people question themselves and question each other. Uh, and then they learn something about themselves and then it leaves, but it's choice to do the season three thing, which is to keep things around and keep consequences. Like Chiana now has premonition powers and can like see and hear the future uh, was great i thought that stuff was really great i don't think they've shown its full potential yet but where it's been used is really good and uh finally i think that the jewel development in this episode was like it was the beginning of her becoming a character as like the medical character on the on moya uh so that stuff was great um i i think i enjoyed watching this episode when we saw it but the more i think about it the more i don't love it um it's inconsequential there's really the only lasting thing that comes out of it is the chiana premonition thing which even that i would disagree has been used well every time i've seen it it's just been chiana like who screamed and then they're like nobody screamed and then she's like you just screamed and then they're like no we didn't and then two seconds later someone screams well not even that i don't feel like it's happening right away i feel like it's just something else happens and then you totally forget that Chiana said that. And then maybe later in the episode, someone screams. I have no, I feel like I have no sense of what her power does. Like how far forward does it predict? Can people change what happens? Like if she predicts something, is there a way to influence that? I don't know. It just, I, I don't really get it. What's coming out of it. Um, may, I hope we'll see more of it because I, I don't feel like it's being used very much. And then, yeah, the other thing about this episode is just that I feel like its plot is kind of a remix of a few one-off Farscape episodes that have come before. It kind of has that same there's somebody possessed element of when they did the the thing that felt like John Carpenter's The Thing. You remember that episode? A Bug's Life? A Bug's Life, yeah. Um, it kind of felt like that. And then it kind of had elements nerve, of the one. Sorry. <laughs> People are going to correct this if I don't get it right. Yeah, nerve. And then it also had elements of the one where they're stuck but they they get stuck in um what's their version of hyperspace uh starburst 
Starburst. They get stuck in Starburst, and there's like a weird dimensional being there. There's like a few. And then there's also a lot of similarity to uh, Meltdown with the idea of like there's there's a good thing and a bad thing, and the bad thing's chasing the good thing, and it's a guy and a girl. It is totally that same type of thing. It's the Moya version of that because that was the Talon one. Um, and they're yeah. in the same season. So losing time and meltdown are kind of like two halves of the same coin, I guess. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think losing time would have impressed me more in a different season. But in this season, it's kind of like, come on. Come what on. are we doing here? We can do better than that. Last episode we're talking about here is my second Dark Horse. It is episode three, Self-Inflicted Wounds Part 1, Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda. Uh, it's the first part of the Zan dies arc and, uh, basically a pathfinder ship gets caught in Moya and they got to figure out what are we doing about this? I mostly put it as a dark horse because I really liked the aliens in this episode a lot. There's something about them that I really enjoyed. Other than that, there wasn't much to this one. I remember nothing except the cool scientists. That's why I didn't want to vouch for this one. Yeah. It's uh well, there you go. Yeah, it's just one of those. Um, let's take it home with a segment that we didn't have originally in the season one recap, uh, but we brought in for season two because a lot of people requested it, and I think it's a lot of fun. And this is our attempt at predicting the plot of the next season. So one of the things that distinguishes us from the other currently running Farscape podcasts, uh, shout out to both both um, Scapecast and the Farscape Friday podcast. Is that what it's called? I think so. Yeah, they're both great, but both of those are hosted by people who have seen the show the show before, uh, and we have not, so uh, we don't know everything that's going to happen, and uh, that makes us unique and fun, and we're going to capitalize on that and try to make vast, just <laughs> wide swaths of predictions, uh, and just try and see if we can nail anything that's going to happen in the show. So I'm going to start, and I wrote a little paragraph here about basically how I think it's going to go down. John finds the crew in like one episode tops. Just because, like I said, this show doesn't like to stick to the stuff that happens in finale. So he's going to like next episode be like, oh, hey, there you are. Um, the old lady, who I think we learned her name and I already forgot it, uh, Naranti or something, becomes yeah. a fleshed out character over time. And I learned to love her. I expect a full episode with her and all that good stuff. Jewel starts to get pushed out of the way for the new character whose name I think is Sokozu. So I have Whatever. seen like, right, uh, the like Netflix uh, thumbnails and stuff have shown that character. So I know I think what she looks like vaguely. And obviously people like this show is old. So there's no way to like completely avoid visuals like that. But I don't know anything about her. I've heard weird things. Uh, and I'm also hoping to all hell that Aaron doesn't just become the sad pregnant character because that was a pretty common trope at the time is like oh this character's pregnant and now they don't do cool action things anymore um but they're definitely going to play with that uh concept a ton um and of course the peacekeepers and scaring conflict is going to get more and more intense all of the cold war until peacekeeper wars eventually happens rigel gets a whole episode that's some proselytizing that's like me projecting i would love it i don't think it's actually gonna happen mm-hmm. but wouldn't it be great uh we're gonna get more dimension hopping more hopefully more time travel and Chiana is never going to see another Nabari, even though she wants to. We're going to have a major, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have a major, major character death. I'll probably cry. The show has already taken so much of my emotion, and it's all going to end on a huge, huge cliffhanger because Sci-Fi decided to be assholes and stop airing the show with like good breaks, and then they like cut it off early, and they promised a season five, and then they didn't give it, and then Peacekeepers had to happen. So that's season four, in my opinion. Maybe who knows? Predictions. Great. 
Uh, I have my maybe a little bit less serious predictions, but then I have some other real ones afterwards. So with Crichton stuck in space, he's going to be floating out there for a while. And you know what? I think it's time a new character gets the spotlight. What do you think? Yeah, I'd be willing for to just like swap protagonists for someone else. Yeah, well, here, let me give you a taste of what the opening monologue might be like if we go with somebody else. My name is Jalushku Tanai Fenta Hovalis. I'm Jewel, a scientist, shot through a bad experience involving freezing my body for organ harvesting. I'm some kind of far part in... I'm. Oh, wait, let me do that again. In some kind of far part of the universe, I'm trying not to be bored. Aboard this ship, this living ship of escaped prisoners, my acquaintances. <laughs> if you can hear me, sorry. If I make it back, will they follow? If I open the door, will they say thank you? Earth is unprepared, I guess. Uh, whatever. Thank you. That's that's my pitch. I feel like Jewel would be a great protagonist for this show. I do too. I think just like even like a, what, a day in the life of Jewel kind of thing would yeah. be kind of cool. It's like what is she thinking of when everything is happening? Is she just like actually really sad or is she being performatively annoying? Like is that her real self? I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, all that stuff I think could be really explored like really well. Uh, mm-hmm. So I I, I'm legitimately hoping she gets some big stuff in season four. But oh, yeah. Knows. Yeah. So that that whole jewel thing that's going to last one two episodes tops. I mm-hmm. think I agree with you that we're going to get back to a new normal very quickly. Chiana's premonition powers will do something tangible besides predict when people may or may not scream. In his boredom, pilot takes up Canasta. Rigel gets his own spinoff, a reality show called Dominar Effect, and he's in a speedo a lot. This whole baby thing is just not going to end well. Well, it'll end well, but that's going to take us like twenty episodes, and the baby will get stranded floating in space just like his or her dad. As for Dargo, no more shirts. Yes. That's my big thing. But on a more serious note, predictions, Greza's probably going to come back yep. in a way. We're going to see her a lot more. I think we're going to see Peacekeeper High Command. That's my. I feel like we've talked about them a lot, so we got to see them at some point. And then this whole baby thing, there's probably going to be some kind of resolution to the baby like halfway through the season. There's got it. I mean, like we're Farscape's not a show that would have like, uh oh, there's a baby for a whole season. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know how that's gonna get resolved, but somehow. And I don't it's not also the not the kind of show where it's like, hey, now we're raising this baby. Right. <laughs> like <laughs> Dargo has to learn to be like a kind uncle, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's not that's not this show at all. I, I guess I like subconsciously knew it and then I tried to like forget it, but I did remember hearing maybe through the grapevine at some point something about John and Aaron having a baby back in like season one. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, I don't even know what that means. Like, why? What's why is it what's so big of a deal that they're going to have a baby? And now, yeah, it's probably going to blow up in some way. Um, I do know what the baby's name is, which is like, oh, that would have been a cool reveal. But like that's that's gonna be interesting and i'm really excited for season four but it's just it's also it's it's equal parts excitement and sadness because uh i think season three is where i've had the most fun doing this podcast with you magellan and i'm gonna be really sad when it's over because uh, farscape is one of the best shows definitely last thing i wanted to bring up before we go to planet netflix again is season four for people who have been following along since the very beginning features the two episodes that Magellan and I watched a couple seconds of uh, way back in the day, way oh. back in season one. Uh, so we are making this a chats tradition where we, right when we start a new show, we wa- we skip to the final season and jump to a random episode in the final season and watch like, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds max 
of a scene completely out of context and try to compartmentalize it as much as we can without seeing it or learning anything big. And then just the game is when we will remember which episode it was um, and when we get to it and what the scene was. Um, I still have mine in my head. Majon, do you still have yours in your head? I remember there being like a grate. That's all I remember. So I might recognize it. I might not. Netflix might have helped me with mine because uh, it shows that I started watching a season four episode. Oh, you know what? I bet I could check that right now. Yeah. Netflix might just have it. It's also not the game isn't just like, hey, can we find out which episode it is? It's It's to be like, hey, during that discussion to pause and be like, hey, that's the thing. That was the scene I watched in season one. (laughs) <laughs> um, so i had to think about mine recently and then i was like oh shit i totally remember it and it's very weird um but i'm not gonna That's say funny. it until it comes up so great uh let's head over to planet netflix since we're already in the docking bay and let's read what we're watching next week on scape chats okay for next week we're only going to be watching one episode as opposed to our normal two because we're going to be having some life stuff coming up and we want to keep the episodes coming our first episode our first episode our only episode that we're watching next week is season four episode one Crichton kicks Crichton ekes out an existence aboard elac a leviathan however a female alien and mercenaries are intent on harvesting elac's neural tissue Didn't so they... it sounds like we're we're kind of doing some weird stuff before we get back to business as usual yeah Crichton's got to grow a weird beard and be alone and sad for a while before we can have the gang back together isn't didn't they mention Elac in the trivia for Dog with Two Bones? Uh, that name came up. I've seen that name before. Maybe I don't remember. Was that the crazy Leviathan that was attacking them? It was like or related did they kill to that. that one? You know, they killed the crazy the rogue Leviathan. That was the whole point of the episode. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Hold on, I can find the trivia while we wrap up. But yeah, it was like hold on, boop a doop. The episode features several deleted scenes, including one establishing Elac. Yeah, so they like oh, were going I to see. hint at that in I that see. episode. And I know that we also get the introduction of a, of the, what's Sakozu, I guess, is in this episode. Yeah. Yay, question mark? Who knows? Maybe she's awesome. Maybe she's terrible. Who knows? And that is it for Scape Chats. Let's do some quick housekeeping. Um, you can email us at scapechats at gmail.com. We love receiving emails. You can tweet at Scape Chats if you have 140 characters or less of question, comments, feedback to send us. Uh, we have a Tumblr, scapechats.tumblr.com, which is for anonymous asks and posting episodes. And it's eventually going to be a GIF farm um, of Dargo being sexy. And uh, you can find me at twitter.com slash Alan Ibrahim, A-L-L-E-N-I-B-R-A-H-I-M, question mark? Not a question mark. Magellan, what's your Twitter? My Twitter is at just a fluke. That's J-U-S-T-A-P-F-L-U-K-E. Thank you so much for listening to Scape Chats. We'll see you next week with a new outro. Bye-bye. Bye.